This is episode 133 of the Testudo Times podcast. Matt is here hosting the show once again on another very interesting day for Maryland Athletics, the day after at least, as Thomas and Ryan both join me. We have a lot to get into in the decisions, if you somehow haven't heard yet, that DJ Durkin and Damon Evans have retained their positions and Wallace Lowe is going to be retiring by June. Welcome from your rock. You have had a much better couple of days than we have had. Uh, we, I want to first start with the reactions that both of you had to everything that went down yesterday, which was another just surreal day in Maryland athletics in a year that has not had one normal day. Uh, Thomas, how have you compartmentalized and absorbed everything that we just saw? So I guess I'll just, I'll just walk through kind of, you know, what my day was as someone trying to report on this was, um, so Matt Canada gives a press conference at noon basically says he doesn't know anything yet. Um, after that press conference, I actually went to class. I was in class for all of this, but like at a computer, um, the reports leak out that the board of regents is expected to recommend retaining Durkin and keeping Evans in his role. There's a very quick transition from that to uh, Jeff Ehrman reporting that Durkin is reinstated. And then right after that, Rick Mace reports Durkin's reinstated. Wallace Lowe, or, um, Wallace Lowe's retiring. Damon Evans is staying like there's, this is all very quick. Um, and this is all an hour before the press conference that was announced in the morning, and which Baltimore, the press conference was not in college, which is in Baltimore. Were I not, were I not in class and needed participation points for that class? I would have been up there. Um, we can sympathize with you. We've all been there. Yeah. I mean, and, and that was, you know, I, I still kind of stepped out to watch, um, the presser, which lasted a while, but it was, it was interesting. Um, you know, obviously everything that, that had been reported was, was confirmed there. And everyone is, you know, kind of left to react as they will. Um, and obviously the, the overarching, yeah, the, the overarching reaction to this is that Maryland didn't do enough. Maryland didn't ha, had a chance to start over and probably should have done that and elected not to elected to make some changes, but keep the leadership in place, which I understand partially, but I think that I understand why a lot of people disagree vehemently with that decision. Rightfully so. We can all pretty much find the logic in their decision but we can also say the conclusion you came to is probably not the right one ryan is also here and ryan has been working on this story as well ryan what was your day like yesterday uh well an interesting one uh i was at my day job from 12 to 8 and uh once i saw that the press conference was going to be at 3 30 it's like oh god and uh you know this this is just what happens when you're we're all sort of volunteer people and uh yeah it was i think i woke up realizing you know oh okay maybe maybe they might bring bring Durkin back but i was still sort of under the like i was like nah it's they're, they're not going to do that and then uh then it because I don't know, it was just so weird. And then, yeah, the Washington Post reports it. 
then with, with some gray area, like, oh, like the board recommends that they're going to dismiss, that they should dismiss, uh, not dismiss anyone. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, maybe Wallace Lowe, uh, nope, okay, it's all it's all really happening. Wallace Lowe isn't, is retiring, like, dear God, it was just such a mess. And then watching everyone, of course, like, I mean, what happens on Twitter maybe doesn't matter in real life. It does you know? not. Twitter is not Some, a good segment of reality. That, but, uh, whew, just, I mean, being a Maryland alum and just seeing everyone like, oh my God, what is Maryland doing? I mean, this is the only time, the only time anyone ever talks about Maryland is when they beat Texas, and when they win a game in the, Nash, in the NCAA tournament, and when they do something horrible in football. And... So this uh, this was one of them. This qualifies. Uh, there were reactions. I certainly had mine. And I will say this. I thought that there was a chance that they could be retained because this whole situation lived in a gray area that many, many people wanted to ignore. And that is a disservice. And we might get to that later. Uh, I did not expect that the president would go, but that the two principals in this story would stay in Durkin and Evans. I did not think that was a possibility, but... Leave it to Maryland to find new ones. My opinion on this story and the decision that they made is simply it was pennywise and pound foolish. And I say that because I think a lot of the decision came here was influenced by money. And I don't have any evidence to support that, but if you do some connecting of the dots and you start to think about how much money is at stake for Maryland to have to you know, relieve themselves of these contracts for Durkin and Evans, the Evans one specifically because they just signed it, Boy, doesn't that look like a horrible decision in hindsight. Uh, and then pay for the new coaches, the new athletic director, and deal with the lawsuit with the McNair family. Uh, they didn't think that they wanted to pay that money, and they thought that perhaps they might be able to get away with paying less and hoping the situation would change in a year's time. I think that was a short-sighted decision. As I said, the best phrase I could describe the decision in my view is pennywise and pound foolish, which means... They, they saved themselves a little bit of money now. Probably not going to save the money in the future uh, because they may have angered more than a few people. That's going to cost them money. And it also looks really terrible from PR, even if the situation is more nuanced than some on the outside might definitely be portraying. If you saw some of the uh, takes from people, the writing from people on the national scene with college football, there wasn't a lot of nuance in what they were writing. And you really can't blame them if they're parachuting into the situation. But, Thomas, in the way that this all evolved, I was listening to IMS Radio on Thursday, and everyone on there, Jeff Ehrman, everyone else was convinced that everyone was getting fired. That was Thursday night. And now, here we are on Monday to Tuesday, and the decision completely flips. And you've reported very well on this story. Uh, It seems like DJ Durkin's pitch to the Board of Regents, which was basically split, uh, at that point, according to uh, what Jeff and the folks at IMS reported, and we trust them, uh, he was able to then convince them basically to tilt the decision the other way because it's also basically been thoroughly reported that Wallace Lowe wanted to fire him. And in the end, Lowe lost the power struggle. So the decision was not made basically until the weekend. That's kind of crazy when you think about it. I think the the picture becomes more clear when you when you take a kind of a big step back and it, it's it's pretty easy to doubt anything that the board of regents says at this point like 
it seems to me that Durkin convinced them on Friday because they wanted at least a good portion of them wanted to be convinced that everything was going to be fine. And I think also it's Durkin's strength is sitting in someone's room and convincing them to, you know, trust him. That's, that's why, that's what makes you a good recruiter. That's how he got to be Maryland's head coach. Um, and it just seems so weird because they said the board said they accepted the findings of the investigation and which, I mean, the investigation could have been harder on DJ Durkin, but it, you know, it, it certainly didn't paint him as a perfect coach. And then just to, just to decide at that point, like you have a decision to make, not just, you know, uh, what did he do wrong? Like, Hey, does this guy deserve to be the head coach of the football team at our school? Like we, like, yes, yes or no. And I think, in some ways, it's not that complicated, but in other ways, it's it. In some ways, it's not that simple, but in other ways, it is. Like they could have decided that someone else should coach the team, and they decided that this that the guy who made the mistakes that they outlined is the one who can fix them. And I think no, no one, no one gets that second chance in like anywhere else. Here's it, where I here's where I stand on this, and I'll let Thomas come back in shortly. He lost his train of thought, and that's fair. We all lose our train of thoughts when we're thinking about something this mind-numbingly ridiculous in many ways, which is what this situation is. I think the report outlined, and you've read the report. I bet all of you have. Uh, it outlined kind of DJ Durkin and Damon Evans and symptoms of larger problems that were not their doing, but they were still part of the problem. And my whole analogy is, as I've come to this, is if you want to treat the flu, the way you treat the flu is by diagnosing the symptoms, which you did, and then finding a way to cure the causes of those symptoms. Maryland thinks they've cured the causes, but also when you cure the flu, the symptoms also go away. And in many ways, Maryland hasn't gotten rid of the symptoms of those problems. And Damon Evans and DJ Durkin are clearly symptoms of those problems. And I think that to me was most head scratching. You can see where they're coming from in their logic. If they said that Durkin and Evans are not the problems in and of themselves, they are part of a larger issue that did not start with them. But even then, if you're going to cure something, you might as well cure all of it. And that's where I think a lot of people are saying, well, you're giving them a second chance to fix problems that they didn't create, but they helped make worse. And that's, I think, what the report outlines. And it could have gone a lot harder on G.J. Durkin. In many ways, I'm surprised it didn't. But I think to me, Thomas, that's what stands out most, is that they diagnosed Evans and Durkin, particularly, as part of a problem that existed long before them, they weren't the root causes, but they were symptoms, and they figured the way to cure those problems is by letting the symptoms in some way stay. That, to me, is where the logic fails. Yeah, I mean, that's to me, that's the thing. Is when I read the report, and you know, it outlines this whole dysfunctional athletic department with tension really at all levels, um, even to the highest levels, and that includes low. You know, the the conclusion that I came to when reading that is probably the smart thing to do is to just clean house and start over because it probably can't work with these same people. I guess they think they can. I guess they think that with, you know, the, the recommendations that were put in place with some independent monitors for, you know, whatever else. Um, and then like, I, I guess they think that that, is going to be enough personally 
I am skeptical of that. Like, I'm not willing to just write off that it won't be, but I'm skeptical. And I think, I think that's really the, the root of it is that, you know, these. The decisions that were made come from saying that these, these people are part of a problem that they didn't cause. And we think they can fix it once we've gotten rid of some of this other stuff, once we've identified it and changed some procedures and changed some things. But, you know, Damon Evans in that story, Thomas, it was clear he was trying to jockey to get Kevin Anderson out of his job. And that's why there was a lot of tension there. Kevin Anderson might not have been very good at his job, but that was probably just to throw Kevin Anderson under the bus report. If you wanted to read it like that, perfectly fair. You know, they wanted to find scapegoats and they found scapegoats. But you read the report of what Damon Evans was trying to do. I don't know how Damon Evans comes out of that scot-free. Now, maybe now because it's fully his athletic department and it wasn't his before when he was an interim with Kevin Anderson on leave, I guess they could kind of see that. But, I mean, if you were in a workplace where someone was trying to get you out of your job for a long time and there was tension there, whether someone was good at their job or not and whether there were legitimate reasons to do that, and they ended up winning out, don't you think there's still a bit of dysfunction there because of that? Of course. I, I mean, and even if it wasn't, you know, jockeying to get Anderson out of his job, there was clear tension between and Evans coming from someone with athletic director experience, you know, brought, you know, a lot of his own ideas to that. And so the, the way that they're, you know, talking about Evans, especially in the press conference, with low calling him one of the best athletic directors in the country is they're basically treating him as a new athletic director. Which is interesting, but, but he's, he's been, been there. there for four years, and he was the liaison to the football program. And he and Durkin have different accounts over how involved with the football program the football liaison was. Um, and that's where the that's a pretty apart. big concern now that they're both back together. I mean, maybe they can just, you know come together forget their old differences and try and make things better but you know that that assumes a lot, a lot of water of, under the bridge that assumes a lot of a lot of uh, generosity and charity in people whose jobs don't necessarily require that and also whose jobs have more safety they think they do than they probably actually do and we'll get into that in a bit uh ryan you would also be forgiven to think that this report tried to find scapegoats that weren't the coach in the AD. And in many ways, that's kind of what the report was. I mean, Durkin and, and Evans were not given glowing reviews. But in another situation, they probably would have been completely, completely destroyed. And in many ways, the focus on Kevin Anderson was bizarre. I mean, it wasn't necessarily wrong because a lot of that is definitely part of the dysfunction. As we said, if dysfunction comes from somewhere else and other people are symptoms of it, then that's something that has to be definitely taken care of. But, you know, and we also could argue that Rick Court was kind of painted in a way as a, a scapegoat for it, and DJ Durkin's not necessarily directly responsible for his individual actions, but DJ Durkin is overall responsible for Rick Court, and that's, again, where the logic falls apart pretty quickly. You can see where they're coming from on the surface, but once you dig into it, the problems start to arise. I think for me, that's just the thing that happens. You see where they came to the decision that they made, 
But once you start to look into it and you start to think about it and analyze it, the logic falls apart really quickly. And that to me is, I think, what most people are disappointed in. It's like they, 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 had, they were on the right track. The decision taking as long as it did was fine. You needed to be thorough with this. But otherwise now, once you start to go into everything that goes into these decisions, the house of cards falls down really quickly. And it just looks like they were trying to find a way to get out from the situation that they found themselves in, in the cleanest way possible. And most people would say, and I agree with them, that they didn't do that. It, yeah, I think my my couple of thoughts on that is I, I think I'm generally on the same, wave, same wavelength in that, A, like, the report did seem to paint uh, specifically Rick Court and Kevin Anderson in exhaustively poor lights. And given the fact that they were like the only two people in the report who are no longer employed at Maryland, that is automatically suspicious. Even even if like we, we look back on it and we're like, it' not necessarily wrong that like, I don't know if it said anything particularly wrong about those two, but it did seem to, you know, heap a lot of blame on them, which would be sort of blame that could that the board could then try to scoop off of other people like Evans, Lowe, and Durkin. But um, yeah, it just it just would have made so much sense to just say, guess what? This situation is so screwed up. DJ, Damon Evans, Wallace Lowe, you guys, thank you for your service. You're out. We've we are we are just we are resetting. We are getting everybody out, putting everybody back, putting some new people back in. And the decision to take the athletic director and the football coach and have them be the two people you essentially put the most faith in just seems so nuts because the report for me, it seemed to outline responsibility for wrongdoing on, um, on all three of those people. But, you know, the, Lowe had at least the excuse or, you know, I don't know if excuse is the right word of saying, well, athletic department is important and it is, you know, a very front facing part of the university, a part that can lose a lot of money for us or make a lot of money. It's important. But also I, I supervise the entire school and there's only so much I can do like that. That is why, like, you know, like if you fail at 10% of your job, that's not excusable, but it might be okay until you until you decide. Oh, that actually he let a like what the school decided was a department filled with chaos and confusion, and he could have just he could have just fired Kevin Anderson years ago. It seemed this the way this report would seem to paint it would be well if they had just re kind of rebooted the athletic department years ago that none of this would have ever happened, and to dismiss Anderson with the weird uh, sabbatical thing that everyone knew was fake and then not fix anything was just, it, I don't know. That's, those are my thoughts. My column. <laughs> You've written a column that has been posted on Testudo Times, which you can read. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm giving you a plug, Ryan. It's very good. Uh, let's talk now about Wallace Lowe. I did not think that Wallace Lowe was going to be the one of the three out. Now, Mm -hmm. Wallace Lowe, we must say, his job is not to solely supervise the athletic department, and Maryland as a university is not solely there for sports. We understand that. We all went to Maryland. We all 
enjoyed the the athletics, but we all know what we're really there for. We're all there to get degrees, and it's an institution of higher learning. It's a flagship university of one of the 50 states in the country. It's a very important university in that way. But we all know also, because we're not purists and we're not, you know, living in a world that doesn't exist, that these universities have a lot at stake with their athletic departments, and they mean a lot, particularly when you have, as Wallace Lowe did, moved Maryland from a different conference to another because of problems that existed before he took over that he had no part in and tried to fix. It was clear he did not know how to manage the athletic department. Now, he should not be dismissed from his job because of it, but I think, Thomas, when we look at that decision, it's clear that he lost a power struggle. Because he wanted to do the right thing here. He wanted to fire DJ Durkin. And we all agree that that's probably the decision that should have been made. I think based on some of the reporting, he wanted to fire him immediately. And he was overruled. And in many ways, like he's resigning not because he failed to oversee the athletic department. And because of that, that's why a lot of chaos existed. He's getting, uh, he's getting a nice severance and he's retiring in June because he lost a power struggle. And while Wallace Lowe leaving is probably not bad in this situation, quote-unquote, going forward, I mean, we're not talking like he left on his own terms. It's clear he didn't want to, and it's clear that he wanted to do something that others disagreed with him on, and he didn't win that battle. And that's essentially what happened, so it adds into the politicking, it adds to the messiness of the situation. He didn't want to mention Durkin by name in that press conference, and that made it even more awkward because you knew instantly he wanted to fire him, and he vehemently disagreed with that decision. And if it wasn't for the fact that he had to put on a good face, he would have probably lashed out. Yeah, I mean, that was that was definitely a surprising twist in it. I mean, especially because Wallace Lowe is particularly close with Damon Evans. And it seemed genuine what he said about Evans. And so, like, the the low solution basically would have been to move on from Durkin, but keep Evans. And I'm not Even sure that would have been if awkward that makes... and wouldn't have been very good, but at least it would have been, I mean, like to the public, let, let's, let's go over hypothetical here just for the sake of argument. If the solution was fire Durkin, keep Evans and low stays, would we be seeing the same reaction that we are seeing? And would there be as much anger? I think if we've seen from some sides, I think there would have probably been less anger. It still wouldn't have been a full solution. But because the coach is front-facing, and because a lot of people think the coach was the root cause of a lot of the problems that existed with Jordan McNair and everything, and while DJ Durkin is not directly responsible for Jordan McNair's death, we must say that, and that is 100% a true fact, things that happen in the football program are responsible for why Jordan McNair died, and DJ Durkin is the overseer of that program. So I think in many ways, Durkin being fired would have quelled a lot of the negative reactions, although probably from the Maryland community, it would not have been viewed in the same way. It would have been viewed in a different way, but still, people wouldn't have been happy. They almost, they were this close to coming to the decision to fire everybody, which I think was probably the most palatable solution. But back to the original point, Thomas, what do you think the reaction would have been if it was Durkin goes, but Evans and Lowe stays? I mean, I think that would be almost not even severe news outside of Maryland. Like, you know, of course, the, the coach who was a part of this report, who, who ran the toxic culture, killed a kid, whatever. Like, obviously, it's much more complicated than that, but people outside Maryland don't care. And so, like, oh, they fired the coach. Cool. Um, it really wouldn't be much of a deal. I mean, to Maryland, it would have... It would have it, it, it obviously been a huge deal when you fire the coach. But then, to keep Evans, I think that would have... It would have bothered a lot of Maryland people because 
the report outlined just this whole dysfunctional athletics department that Evans has been a part of for years. And so to keep him in charge and for him to be, you know, the basically in charge of picking the next coach, that's, I don't, that would have made a lot of Maryland fans uneasy. But the reaction from throughout the country wouldn't have been really the same. I don't think I don't think that there's anything wrong with that assessment. The Wallace Lowe thing, there's a lot of resentment, I think, from some of the uh, uh, fans towards Wallace Lowe because it's clear that his the athletic department is not a priority for him and he doesn't really care about it that much. And let me be honest, he sh- it shouldn't be his priority. He's president of a giant university with many other things going on. But at this point now, I think it's clear that if you want to run a good athletic department, you need the president of the university to have some interest in maintaining what's going on. And that's what happens in a lot of other schools. And Maryland is a power five FBS, you know, big time athletic school with the backing of one of the three biggest apparel companies in the country. So there's a lot at stake when you come to Maryland. And it's clear that I don't think that Wallace Lowe paid too much mind about this. I don't remember what happened when Lowe was hired as school president that was before I came to Maryland and it was also right as the time they were hiring Kevin Anderson and Gary Williams was leaving and Ralph Region was leaving and all this stuff was going on and the program was losing money so this goes back to root causes of many 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 years ago but in many ways it just seems like it would have been the cleanest break and I think that's what most people agree with Uh, Ryan what do you think the reaction would have been if Durkin had been fired but Evans and Lowe stayed which seems like it was probably another one of the solutions that came very close to occurring. Yeah, I mean, I I think behind all three are gone, I which seemed like the most likely scenario. I would have figured that was the second most likely. Uh, with with the one that happened literally being the least likely scenario that I thought yeah, would happen. Yeah, that, that, that seems most realistic. Like, I did not think that coach and the AD stay, but president goes was a reasonable scenario. Right. And I think... Uh, Part of what this whole thing illustrates is that if you are the president, you can't have an AD that you don't trust like very much because if if the athletic department is, you know, just one part of a million different things that you're doing, but you know how risky it is, like Lowe even said with the whole athletic scandals, a dormant volcano that can uh, erupt and kill the president. His, is, his, his was, boat analogy was also really, really uh, weird because you could argue he crashed the boat into the rocks and then was taking credit for making sure no one died and sank. It was really it's, weird. It's, like, it's more like he was captain of a fleet and then wasn't really watching the biggest, mo- most volatile boat. But anyway, the, he already went on for boat analogies for like 45 minutes during the press conference. So um, what... I know like what I'm thinking is like the fact that Lowe didn't show the fact that he did not trust Anderson clearly for a while shows just a huge uh, like blind spot because you have to if you don't trust the athletic department and you know it's disorganized then there's only bad things that can happen especially in a Maryland athletic department where like Football was was Maryland football, and uh, that was the one that seemed and, to... And they switched conferences in the midst of all of this. Like, yes. This is the other it... thing. They switched conferences because the athletic department was in such a bad shape. Mm-hmm. And, and Wallace Lowe, that's his legacy at Maryland. It's not anything else. It's not the fearless ideas. It's Maryland moving from the ACC to the Big Ten. That's his legacy for many Maryland... Uh, fans and let's be honest not every alum of maryland cares as much about sports as we do 
but a lot of the front-facing big-time alums care a lot about this athletic department, and some of the decisions that were made when the two didn't trust each other are earth-shattering, school-altering decisions. And you could argue that he made the right decision with the money that's they're going to eventually get from the Big Ten. And you could also argue that Lowe and Anderson, as I believe, came in after the athletic department was already in really bad shape. And they didn't make it any better, obviously. But, I mean, that too plays a huge role in this. It's like, yeah, they tried to... Like, basically what I think the big emphasis that I come away with the stories is that problems existed before the people who were put in place were put in place but they're also part of the problems and the board of regents kind of went with a safe way out saying we think they could fix them and now I have to ask Thomas the cynical question was this decision made about money it's kind of hard to say no to that you know to that question right because, like, okay, D.J. Durkin's got two more years left in his contract. I don't know how much it's worth, but I think it's worth, like, $2.5 million a year or something like that. It's, it's in public records. I just haven't looked it up. Uh, and Damon Evans just signed a six-year contract worth, like, $3.4 million that he signed in June. Again, great decision by Wallace Lowe to hire somebody as AD while all of this is going on. It shows you the dysfunction in the athletic department that was prevailing. So if they didn't want to buy out those contracts, which is like $8 million, and I can understand that because that's a lot of money the university might not have, and then have to hire a new coach who you're going to pay a similar amount of money to, and an AD who you're going to pay a similar amount of money to, and deal with this lawsuit with the McNair family, that's going to cost the university a lot of money in the tens of millions of dollars. I understand why that decision was made. But when you think about it, you've saved yourself a few bucks now, but the potential exists for a lawsuit with Jordan McNair's family to get even worse for Maryland because you saw that press conference yesterday and they were pissed and rightfully so. And now you could almost see them saying, well, maybe we don't want to settle. We'll go after them and get more money and they probably will win. And then you also now have, well, what happens when these guys inevitably get fired? Because we'll get to it in a second. There's the potential a new university president's going to come in and these are not his two guys or her two guys. And so when you think about that, that's why I said the biggest takeaway from this decision was that it was penny-wise and pound-foolish. Yeah, and I think one thing that'll be interesting to just keep an eye on is the, the level of job security that Durkin and Evans actually have. Because if, if things don't get better, and in a Which, year or two... Let's be honest, it doesn't look like they're going to. I mean, they could. We'll see, like... You know, we'll I'm get to the football things in a second. We wanted to I'm a nice, uh, you know, first, I like to be a positive person and we'll see whether or not the uh... you're one of the only ones, Thomas. You're one of the only ones. <laughs> or, well, like we'll see whether they take to these, you know, recommendations and whether the, the, the changes proposed are actually put in place and they work like assuming they don't. And, is you know, we come around in a year or two and their buyouts are significantly less and fans are pissed, things haven't gotten better, then I, I think it's totally reasonable that they they wouldn't last. I think one thing that'll be interesting to keep an eye on is how secure are Durkin and Evans' jobs going forward? Because if things don't get better, as as far as, you know, the recommendations that the board has put in, you know, the the new sort of oversight commission thing, whatever that is, you know, if, if those changes don't really work or if they're not taken well and, you know, this is, this is 
going to be a part of it. If, uh, if on-field results don't really improve, then we could be sitting here in a year or two and things aren't better and the buyout is less for Durkin and Evans. And I, I don't know at what point, you know, patience runs out. I, said, I think that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Again, there's a new university president coming in. I, I cannot state that point enough. Uh, Lowe is retiring in June, right? They're going to have a new university president in before that, you would assume, right? They'll have a lot of time to make that decision. The new university president, as has basically been telegraphed by the Board of Regents, has to have more care about the athletic department. They will not be the be-all and end-all of, you know, we care about the athletic department first and foremost, but they are going to have a much more intimate relationship with the athletic department. It's not just going to be one of a million things. It's going to be a big priority for whoever comes in. It has to be because that's what the Board of Regents has essentially said by forcing Lowe out that his negligence of the athletic department, if you want to use that term, was part of the reason why this happened. So whoever the new president is, he's not married to the athletic director and therefore not married to the coach. So if he goes in next year and sees this program is a dumpster fire, which is quite possible because there are other football questions that we'll get to, and he looks at the stands and he sees more silver than any other color, well, what is he going to think? He knows that the football program Whatever Maryland is, is a football school versus basketball school. Football does matter a lot, and Maryland can have a good football program. And if they don't, well, what are you going to do? You're going to change the coach, and you're going to change the athletic director. And the new university president, Ryan, is not going to be married to the people that are already there. And that means as soon as that happens next football season, when you know we're going to have a new president by, they're instantly going to be under pressure to succeed because the new president is going to be keeping an eye out on them like a hawk. I am. I, I agree with that somewhat, but I do think the fact that the board, since the board hires the president, and the board was so focused on making uh, on making sure Durkin came back, that the board is probably only hiring someone who will agree. Like I'm not coming in and and like I, you know, I agree. Durkin's good. Um, I don't but, think that's it, though. I don't think that's... I think they wanted to find a reason to bring Durkin back as opposed to they wanted to bring him back. There were obviously some people who didn't want to bring him back. The president didn't want to bring him back. This was a split decision. This was not unanimous. This was one of those where they could be persuaded and they were persuaded one way. I don't think that that means that the board is automatically going to be hiring somebody based on the thought that, oh, you, we don't want you to come in and fire everybody immediately. But you have to say, when you're hiring somebody they are going to have the right, and reasonably so, to do what they want to do, especially if there's more oversight at the athletic program. They can't hire another Wallace Lowe to be president. No one's going to let that fly anymore because the Board of Regents is now under much more scrutiny than ever before. Well, but I just think if they were so, if they were so worried about all that, they wouldn't have forced Lowe to bring Durkin back anyway. I do agree that their positions could change, and, you know, Durkin losing at football, they'd be like, oh, well, guess didn't work out, next. But uh, I don't know. I, I still think that, uh, you know, start of the 2020 season, will DJ Durkin be the head coach? It is, it is iffy. I would also say that uh, if, if I had to guess that Matt Canada is not Maryland's offensive coordinator next year, but, uh, but who knows? Okay, let's get now into football-related things when we talk about this decision. 
I think the other thing that's getting lost in all this, Thomas, how the hell is DJ Durkin coaching Saturday? How is that even remotely feasible and possible that after sitting on the sidelines for three months that he's just going to pop right back in and pick up like nothing happened? How is that even possible? I would have understand bringing it back for Indiana and letting Matt Canna coach the Michigan State game. How the hell is he coaching Saturday? That, to me, is the most baffling decision of them all. I think if you if you announce that you're bringing him back, but like Canada will coach one more game, that that won't work at all. So I think if well, you were going to bring him back at all this season, up up, so why not? If you were going to bring him back this season, which like I think there's somewhat of a I you know an idea that it would be just in in, in a football sense more feasible to bring him back after the season. Like, that's the other thing, that they could have said, we're going to bring him back, but we're just going to let Canada coach the rest of this year. I think Maryland fans wouldn't have been happy with that, but they would have been at least able to understand it. You know, bringing him back and then having him coach immediately. Like, what's the reaction going to be when he runs out of that tunnel and gets booed by whoever's there? Because a lot of Maryland fans that are going to be there, and there aren't going to be many because you've seen the attendance this year at Maryland games, it's going to get booed. And this is, maybe. you're talking, oh, I think that, well, maybe the people that are there won't boo him. But, I mean, like, you'll see the number of empty seats, right? Like, you can't look away from that. Like, it, it is an eyesore. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, just, just as far as, you know, transitioning back into the head coaching role, I mean, it's still going to be Canada calling plays, and I, I don't know who's going to be calling the defensive plays, if it's going to be Durkin again, or, or if he's going to just come back to that. Like, I, I don't know how the transition will work. I think that's like at least the tenth most important thing here. Um, it, it's it's more a matter of just how many of the players actually wanted this, and we've seen some of them take to Twitter, and you know three players walked out. I mean, you know that's not a lot, but it's certainly noteworthy. Well, when it was and, first reported, it was reported not the specific number of players. And you can understand how reporting works. You get, we confirmed that some players walked out, but some couldn't mean anything, you know. And then it's three. And that's not a lot on a team of 100 players, but it's still very noticeable. And I think, Ryan, that's the other thing. Like, if you're one of those people who was not a big fan of Durkin and this whole situation just makes you feel iffy, like, what are you thinking right now? As play- we forget all of the players that are going on. They lost a friend and a teammate earlier this year, and they've been playing with that on their heads since June, basically, right? And now they have to play a very important football game because one more win gets them to be bowl eligible, and it's a conference game. And they're playing this while all this is going on. And while Maryland has responded really well to adversity this year, they beat Texas, they beat Minnesota after the Walters report was released, and then they destroyed Illinois – after this report was released. But I, I mean, you have to have some sort of mental fortitude to be able to deal with this, especially if you weren't a big fan of DJ Durkin to begin with. Now, Durkin recruited most, if not all, these players to come to Maryland. There's only one group left of Randy Edsel recruits that are there. But, like, can you blame any of the players for doing what they've done? Like, if you wanted to walk out of that meeting, could you blame them? Because I can't. Uh, no, I mean, I think it's, like... I wrote something this summer about how, you know, everything that happens here just illustrates how college athletes are so, they have no power in any of this situation. 
And that's basically the only power that you have is to tell the you like you've already told the school you don't want him back as your head coach, and the school said, uh, "We don't think that you know what you're talking about. We're going to make him the head coach anyway." Uh, what what else are you going to do? You got to do something. Um, and I, I am interested in. I know there's going to be a student protest on Thursday. I'm interested to see if if any football players end up in there. I think it. it I mean, that would be it. Would take a lot to get in there, no matter how you feel, just because. Uh, that's knowing that teammates appear to be very split on this with some excited that he's back and some not excited that he's back. Um, you know, I'd, I'd understand why any player would not want to be in the, in that protest, even if they, even if they agree with it. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't, don't blame these guys at all. I think, um, it's probably really hard to get up in front of your whole team and say like, screw this. Enough people will say that you're a quitter or you, you know, don't care about the your coach might say that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other thing that comes to me in this whole situation, right? I'm sorry for interrupting. if, If DJ Durkin has been sitting around for three months, which he has been, thinking about what did I do wrong? Because most of us would be thinking if we got suspended from our jobs and we know we were in major danger of losing it, and not just that, not getting another job for a long time, you would be thinking, well, what did I do wrong? What can I do to change it, right? I use the phrase come to Jesus. Probably not the best term, but it's a term that is appropriate here. Like another question I have, Thomas, and it's a reasonable one, and we might not know the answer to this unless more reporting gets done, and I figure more will be done. Is DJ Durkin going to come to Jesus? Is he going to change what he does? I mean, Rick Court's not going to be there anymore, but DJ Durkin is still DJ Durkin. Like, it's hard to change a man that's hardwired the way he is to coach a different way. And if he coaches that way with this group of players at this school at this time, people are going to get angry if it comes out. And that's why I'm saying, like, if Durkin wants to maintain his job going forward, is he going to change how he does his business? I think that is an important thing to try to keep an eye on going forward. I think it's worth noting that Durkin did, you know, change some of the procedures in practice. They had, you know, more water breaks. They had these, you know, these special tents. Like, it's not like Durkin just up and did nothing, but, you know, the, the there, there's a lot. Movies during breakfast crap. The, the, the stupid stuff that's about toughness and all these other buzzwords that don't make any sense and has been pretty clearly at this point disproven. I mean, that stuff's got to stop. And the belittling of players and that kind of – like, that's got to stop. Like, the minute it happens, you know it's getting leaked, right? You know immediately someone's going to report it. And then the pressure instantly goes back up on Durkin, and then they have to do something. Like, if you're DJ Durkin at this point, you have to change in order to keep your job. But you're not hardwired to do so. So it's one of those moral ethical conflicts that he's probably going through right now. And I'm so interested to see whether he can do it or not. Because we've, we've seen that everything from the first practice was mixed, which makes sense because this is a gray area situation where there's no black or white. But, I, I mean, Ryan, as D, for DJ Durkin, the head coach, in order to keep his job for any appreciable period of time, and if he does get fired, to get another job, don't you think he's going to have to, in a way, come to Jesus? I would think, uh, I mean, who the hell knows? But I think, like, yeah, he at this point, DJ Durkin is coaching for his next job. He's coaching to be able to say, look, 
any of this stuff that happened to me was just just some some made up stuff. Which and or uh, and or he fixed it. Like I think that were better than saying ah, I was fairly unfairly railroaded. I don't think a lot of people sympathize with that much anymore. I think it's now he can say I made mistakes, but I fixed it. I learned my lesson. That's yeah, what he's going yeah, to try to tell people. Fair. I think it, I don't think going out and saying I was railroaded, they were wrong, I was in the right the whole time. I don't think that's the way to go about it now when everybody's looking at you. I, I think it's likely a combination of the two approaches, but yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like the, I mean, it's just it's interesting. Will he ever admit fault in this? I think because Maryland's eventually like I mean, if they don't have a press conference before the game, this week's post game press conference is going to be ESPN will be there. Everyone will be there to ask him about this. And if they don't, and like at least Ohio state after they reinstated urban Meyer did a, like, I mean, they let him answer questions for about an hour. Uh, and it, it didn't necessarily solve things, but at least, I mean, you have to give people an opportunity to ask you questions, even if you're just going to try to deflect, um, and the press conference in many ways on Saturday is going to be more interesting than the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A Maryland-Michigan State game has, like any Michigan State game, uh, it seems like a recipe for a 14-7 to game. Last year it was 17-7, uh, to I think. Oh. Uh, that was in the snow. It was in the snow, but still, Maryland right. had no quarterback, and it was 17-7. to So, anyway, uh, I, I want to ask the, the, this question now, uh, Thomas, uh, as we get closer to wrapping this up. Uh, there are still four games to be played this season. Maryland is 5-3. and three. They are a win away from bowl eligibility. You could argue that any one of their next two games is absolutely winnable, even with all that's going on. And for whatever the players are saying, they might be furious. And we saw some of the tweets from people like Alice McKinney and Trey Watson. Uh, but they are going to play for Jordan McNair. Whatever the case might be, they are playing not uh, – and for any of this, they're playing in spite of all that they've been dealing with. That is a great motivating factor for them personally. As I said, we saw in the three games when Maryland was most under this psychological pressure, Texas, Minnesota, Illinois, they came out and they played their best football. I wouldn't be surprised if Maryland plays their best football on Sunday and plays a really inspired performance playing for Jordan McNair in spite of all this, you know? Because in many ways, I said, I don't root for the coaches or the administrators. I root for the kids. I root for the kids who are representing the school that we went to and that we were once students at. I could easily see that happening. But there's also the other opportunity to be like, God, what the hell about this? And then, you know, they could fold up the end of the season. No one would blame them either. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I thought Maryland could fold, you know, kind of fold like that at the start of the year. And they haven't. And I think that's a testament to the kids, one, and Matt Canada, two, and the rest of the coaching staff. Like, they, they've kept this ship afloat. I... Honestly, I don't think if anything can screw it up, it's changing the head coach, changing the voice at this point of the season. But honestly, I don't, I don't think, think it really messes. I don't think it really changes the on-field product that much. I don't think it's going to change it at all. I think it might motivate them even more, play in spite of it. Because for many of these players, like if you're talking about Trey Watson, he's got four more games left to college eligibility. What happens next year doesn't really matter. And for some of these players, they might have already made their minds up that they're transferring, and they want to get a good look for whoever's going to get them next. You know, they could be playing personally, but they could also be playing as a team, you know, as a unit, as well, their teammates, right? Like all, the, all that possibilities exist. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and, and then even then at the same time, it's 
it's a Saturday in the fall. You get 12 of them. Make the most of it. And you and might they, not get if, any more in your career, too. Because not all these mm-hmm. players are going to be pros. You know, And some of them are graduating seniors or going to be pro prospects. And they might only have a couple of these games left. Uh, I, I also want to ask Ryan another football question before we end this. Uh, Maryland right now has a decent collection of talent. Next year, they're going to lose a good chunk of it defensively on the offensive line. And the lifeblood of any college program is recruiting. And obviously, at this point, recruiting has grinded to a halt. But here's the thing. As Jeff Ehrman mentioned, this is a really important thing to mention. The 2020 class in DMV recruiting, and he would know better than I would, is apparently really, really good. And that is something that Maryland has to do well to succeed, is recruit this area really well. And DJ Durkin, until what happened, did a really good job of it. How the hell is he going to recruit now? I know he's a good salesman, and obviously he sold the Board of Regents, and he'll sell a few kids. But how is he going to be able to recruit successfully, considering all that has happened? I really have no idea. Um, And, yeah, I mean, it'll just be a thing that we figure out. Uh, He'll be asked about this, I'm sure, but it is low on the the to-do list of, like, I think things anyone would ask him or not – or, like, things that deserve asking. It's – it's on there because, like you said, he will be the team's football coach and will the team be good. Uh, but I think before then, he just – that's sort of the the football questions all, I think, just do come afterward, after we figure out what, what was going on. Why did it – like, if you say everything you did was fine, then why did so many players not like it? Um, why did so many players speak out? Right. And – and what is the one thing I wrote about is sort of the so how many kids does it take before it's a problem, right? Maybe a coach can explain away one kid saying something, but when it's clearly more than one kid, how do you how do you justify any of this? I don't know. But like the the because people were saying three kids left the meeting, they're like oh three of only team one hundred fifteen, still but three, still I mean pretty pretty weird pretty not normal uh and in the same way like you don't have kids running to the media at nor at other programs and saying hey this was not right um even off the record right exactly so that's well the next thing is like well we're gonna see in results we're gonna see how they play on the field we're gonna see how they do in the recruiting trail we're gonna see how they do in the stands and the answer to that question is not well and then there's also uh how many kids transfer at the end of the year? Because would you be surprised, Thomas, if we're at double-digit transfers for Maryland? And again, could you blame them? I don't think you hit double digits necessarily. I think, I mean, it's so many of the the players that are here are, are the kids that committed to Durkin and committed to you know, whatever it is he stands for. And a lot of the, it's a lot of upperclassmen that, like everyone who walked out was upperclassmen. Um juniors and seniors and so like the young core of the team and what we saw from the team on saturday like it was all freshmen redshirt freshmen sophomores making all the plays in that 700 yard performance and so i i don't think it's going to be that much of an exodus unless things go south from here and that and is, that's, that is, that is possible. It's Maryland. It is possible. possible. So I want to wrap this up. 
Uh, we will have more on this, obviously, because this story is not over as much as the people at the Board of Regents in Summit, Maryland would like to think it's over. There's a lot more going on, uh, and there will be more that evolves as time goes on. Boy, recruiting season is going to be one hell of a trip for this Maryland football team. And we also do say that we will have a basketball season preview coming very shortly in the next couple of days before the season starts next Tuesday. We can promise you that. But, uh, Thomas, wrap up what we've seen and... We, we kind of all agree that this was the wrong decision, though we kind of see the logic of how they got to it. And so where does everybody go from here? Now that the decision has been made, it's not going to be reversed. DJ Durkin's going to coach on Saturday against Michigan State and the rest of the season, and he's going to coach into 2019. So where do we all go from here? You know, I think there this is a decision that has probably a low chance of working the way the board of regents thinks it will and i mean that's generally my problem with it um but i think you know we just have to wait and see what happens as far as you know how the team plays on the field sure but does the athletic department change and that's going to be really interesting just to see how we how we evaluate that and how anything changes moving forward because so many of the people in the in the department are the same but there's, you know, proposed changes coming in. Do they all happen? Are they all supported? Do they all work? I think if all of that happens and, you know, the Durkin and Evans sort of rehab their images a little bit because they've been kind of dragged through the water in all of this, um, then, you know, there, there's a chance this works out, but it's, fine and reasonable and probably correct to be very, very skeptical and even pessimistic about that. So Ryan, I'll, I'll head to you uh, before we end this, uh, this show. Uh, do you think that, uh, first of all, it's not even that we don't think this is the right decision, but what do you think most Maryland fans are going to be saying? Because there are Maryland fans that wanted them back. There are Maryland fans that vehemently wanted them to go. And you've already seen the attendance at football games. You've seen the interest in the program, even though this team is probably going to go to a bowl game. And for that, like, as a Maryland fan sitting there, not necessarily in our position as journalists, but also people who care very much about this university, but just as a fan, somebody who goes to Maryland games, somebody who supports the team, might be donating to the Maryland boosters or whatever the hell, that, the, the, what they might do. How do Maryland, like, how do these kinds of Maryland fans sit there and process all of this? Because they might be just as split as the Board of Regents was. I think it's pretty much... The report didn't change anyone. The the decision the other day probably didn't change anyone's opinion. Uh, you know, I think we, we've had a couple people, seen a couple people on Twitter who have been very just pro-Durkin the entire time. And it's the kind of sports thing where nothing's going to change your mind. And I think the people who are going to games might keep going to games. I think either way, even you saw the... Um, people went to the Illinois game there will be fewer Maryland fans this time I think that's just what's going to happen um but you know probably maybe more fans overall because Michigan State fans but well would you like Ohio State home game at Maryland in a couple of weeks I know you would (laughs) um yeah I, I think I think there will be less overall interest because I think you'll get more students who are like oh I'll go to the game who are now like Hell no, I'm not. I'm not supporting that. And you, more. I think you'll get more. Maybe you are 
a guy who's, you know, maybe I'll go to the game. I don't know. Well, significant other might be like, I don't really feel like spending my money on that. I, I watch the news. And uh, it's even weirder because you get free tickets to students. Well, no, but I'm saying, or if, if you're not a student, if you're, if you're just not a, fan, a student, okay. Um, then I, I think overall attendance will be down. Um, and I don't know. I think people will probably keep the opinions they had before, but uh, I don't know. The only, way, the only way that things are going to change is winning or losing. And I think the ultimate judge of all of these questions is, does Maryland win? Uh, Maryland might get to a bowl game this year. Uh, they might not take many fans with them. It would still be an incredible accomplishment for the players. But next year, what does this team look like? Who's on the field? How many people want to watch these games? And is Maryland going to be good? Because in the fourth year of a coach, even though it'll kind of be the third year, the program should take steps forward. And we're going to find out next year whether all of these things happen. We're going to find out the recruiting trail and the construction of the roster and how they play. And they're still in the toughest division in college football with three blue bloods and a program that could be a blue blood at its best. And Maryland is right now closer to our favorite school that starts with R and ends in S that also has red as its colors than it is to the other team that has red as its colors at the top of the division. And the only way we're going to know whether these things were the right decisions were was whether Maryland wins. And that's basically at this point, as callous as it says and it sounds, that's where these decisions are. And we, uh, we thank you all for sticking with us for these difficult times. I know most of you have gone through the emotional ringer dealing with these stories we have too in reporting it. It's not over. The Jordan McNair lawsuit is still something that is a very fresh story, and there will be a lot to be reported on then. We will still cover the games as there are four more of them left, and we will cover every angle of this story because it's not over. Uh, I want to thank Thomas and Ryan for spending time covering this story and investing as much in it as emotionally wrought as it is to sometimes do these things, and certainly for you guys for sticking with us. Hopefully, there will be better things to talk about in the future. Our next podcast will be a basketball season preview. Stay tuned for that in a couple of days' time, but uh, until then, whatever your thoughts may be, can we say go Terps now? I don't know if we can, but uh, support the kids. I'll say that. The players have done nothing wrong. They lost a teammate, and they're trying to play for them, and they're trying to play for their own pride at the pride that they have clearly exuded, and that is something we can all latch on to, whatever you think about the decisions that were made.